Welcome to Resurrection Church Podcast. We are honored you are here. Without any further delay, here's the word. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I will begin in the last verse of the prior chapter, but we're our core that we're going to talk about for very, very few short minutes. Starts in verse 1 of chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. As you know, we've been on this series called Back to School. We actually started this when school started. And, um, but here we have, Paul is, explains the use of spiritual gifts to this very young, very immature church. Uh, don't, they, they are just learning about how that, all that works and how the things of the kingdom work. And so they didn't really have a great deal of good church experience. And so they, were, they maybe got a little rambunctious in a few areas of different things. But it's okay. I, w- I would rather see things rambunctious than try to raise a corpse. And there's a whole lot of corpsing going on. Corpsing. I was just, you know, I was just praying this morning. I, I, was, I, I was praying this morning. I said, Lord, I, I, I had asked him earlier a few weeks ago about forgiving me for, for trying to put reins on what he would want to do in this church to make it adaptable or presentable to those who have never been introduced to the whole message of the Bible. And, uh, and I just told Lord this morning, I said, you know what, Lord? This is my commitment to you. I said, whatever you do, I'm going to tell the truth, and I'm going to tell all of it, just as it's in the Bible. And I'm not going to back down or back off, and if somebody gets their lift ripped up because they didn't like the gift of the, op- the operation of the gifts of the Spirit in the church or something goes on, I said, I'm not, they can come if they want to, but we're going to tell the truth. Anybody with me on that? So I'm not backing down, backing away, or toning it down, or throwing a buck of water on it. We just need to preach the whole message of this new life that's in this Word of God. Amen? So if you're with me, just shout, Amen! Amen. All right. So this is, so Paul was talking to this church, and, and they were learning. It may have been a slow learning curve, but they were learning how to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. He just, so he sort of tidies things up to help bring some clarity to what they were doing, particularly in the church setting. Now, the gifts of the Spirit are to be manifested at all places, at all times, anywhere, in any, un, under any conditions. The gifts are not just for the church, but the church is the place where you get loaded up. This is where you get the knowledge. This is where you get the understanding. And then once you, uh, 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 who was that I was talking about the aircraft? We were, the aircraft carrier. Um, John Hagee talked about the church being like an aircraft carrier. That in World War II, the, the planes would, they would get all, they would get all their bombs loaded and machine guns loaded and fueled up and they would fly off and they'd go fight these dog fights with other, with the Japanese and then when they'd run out of fuel and ammunition, they'd come back to the, to the, uh, to the uh, boat and they would land it and they would refuel and get more bombs and more ammunition and they'd go out and keep fighting again. That's the way the church is supposed to be. We need to cut, so we come in here to get our guns loaded. 
Are you cocked and loaded? We bet we, and I think that's where we want to go. So this is what Paul is talking about. Now last week, he, or when I talked about last week, he said in verse 13 of chapter 12, uh, 13, he said, Now faith, hope, love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Pursue love, yet desire, not just desire, but desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in a tongue, now where did he come off on this? He comes all the way back from where he'd been talking about the use of tongues and interpretation of tongues as the nine manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So he, he goes back and or chronologizes this and explains it. He says, but for one who speaks in tongues does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But to one who prophesies speaks to men for advocation, exhortation, and consolation. The one who speaks in, in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may receive Edifying. Now, I'm going to stop there because this is a very detailed part of, this, of his letter. But I want to stop here and let's look at this. You, Paul tells us that these spiritual gifts in whatever package they come in are for the edification, the exhortation, or excuse me, edification, exhortation, and the consolation of other people. So he says in verse 1, he says, Yeah, pursue love, but earnestly desire spirituals. Now, the, the word gifts is not in there. It's implied because of the way it was written. So it's actually spiritual things. So he says you need to earnestly, spiritually desire these things. He says you need to pursue the gifts of the Spirit. Now, you will not hear this in most places that you need to pursue those nine spiritual gifts that Paul referred to earlier. We're saying what Paul is saying and what I'm saying, yes, we are. We are to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. I think in, in our setting, sometimes we kind of say, well, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. You know, if God wants to use me, so let it be. No, no, we are to desire those gifts. Now, Paul clarifies this in chapter 16. He says, but let all that you do be done in love. So we, we are to desire your spiritual gifts, but we're to do it out of the act of love, not for ourselves, but for other people. As I said last week, when we love other people the way we're supposed to, the manifestation of these gifts will be, will be there. So he says, earnestly desire. Now, that can mean a lot of things to different people. It means, in, in the Greek, it means to have a, a, a warm, fuzzy feeling about something. In other words, you feel good about it. It means to be zealous, but even a deeper definition is you are to covet. Now, the Bible tells us we're not to covet, right? Other people's stuff. But Paul is indicating here, no, you need to covet the gifts. Now, let's clarify this again. He says, and especially that you may prophesy. Now, he spoke about that particular gift, and I do want to say, to make it clear, there is a difference between a Christian prophesying and someone who operates in the office as a prophet. They are different. 
And we'll, hopefully we'll have time to go over that later, but I'm not there today. So he says, he says you are, he's, I especially want you to prophesy. Now that means to foretell events, foretell, to tell something that hasn't happened yet to someone. Now that can get a little scary if you've never been there before. To tell somebody something that you, nobody told you about except the Holy Spirit and only that other person knows if it's true or not. Yeah, so you have to, so it, that's, I think that's why some people hesitate in operating in it. But it means to foretell events. It means to speak under divine inspiration. And the root means a foreteller of the divine will of God. The root for the word prophecy is the foretelling of the divine will of God. The foretelling. Now, that's entirely different from preaching. When you see the word preach or preaching in the New Testament, it's an entirely different word, and it has an entirely different meaning. So you can, so there should be no confusion in the church for the difference between prophesying and preaching. As you know, most people, when you talk about preaching, they automatically dis, uh, disqualify themselves because, I'm not a preacher. So praise God, I don't have to do any of that. And so a lot of people have disbanded the use of these gifts and especially prophecy because they say, well, that's just preaching and I'm not a preacher. See how they just X themselves out? It's a mindset. No, preaching means to be a public crier. It means to, to, to give divine truth as in the gospel and proclaim that truth. That is not the same as foretelling the will of God about someone's future. So what is the purpose behind this prophecy? Well, it is for edification. It says in here, and let's look at it in verse 3, it's for the edification, exhortation, and consolation. That means to build up, to make stronger. Exhortation means to encourage someone. Consolation means to comfort someone. And so this is how you, you measure the authenticity of prophecy. Is based on... Does it edify? Does it exhort? Does it give comfort or consolation to a body or to an individual? Paul said in Romans 14, 19, he, he, he said that the authenticity of the prophecy is so that so then we pursue things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Now, this is where people get off. Someone will come and prophesy to them. Typically, uh, a, a non-charismatic, someone who hasn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and somebody comes and prophesies to them about a whatever, and then, quote, that person that's prophesied to judges that word as nothing or false, and it must be a false prophet because it didn't happen to them. May I remind you that some prophecies are still in operation today and they still haven't been fulfilled. Some prophecies take hundreds and thousands of years to be fulfilled. How, but in, in the point of a personal prophecy, the one thing most people forget about because there's probably been someone in here who said that you've been accused of being a false prophet because, quote, it didn't happen. But you see, prophecy is dependent on the obedience of the one who was prophesied to. So if the Lord said, uh, if the Lord said, prophesied to someone and said, uh, you're, you're going to be 
a, a, a multimillionaire and start a business right here. And they wait and wait and, and nothing ever happens. They forget about it and then they move. Well, it's a false prophecy because it never happened. No, no, there was a condition to the prophecy. The prophecy was that you should stay here and develop it here. So out of disobedience, they lost what could have been theirs. Then they blamed the prophet as being false. Does this make sense? Because there's so many people who say, well, that's false, that's false. No, you better wait on it because it depends on the person. You've got to be living and, and actively seeking the will of God if you want to see a, a prophecy fulfilled in your life. In fact, if you've got a prophecy over your life and it has not been fulfilled yet, my, my encouragement to you would be is check yourself out to see if you're smack dab in the heart of God at this place, at this time in your life. To make sure, and then that will also bring correction to you to help you legitimize what you're supposed to be doing in the kingdom. So Paul makes it clear that the authenticity of it is that it builds and edifies and comforts people. Now it says in verse 4, it says the one who speaks in tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Now he's talking about the public use of prophecy in a church setting, which could be uh, a, a home group. It could be a life group. It could be a in this. Uh, it could be we could be having a men's meeting, or the women could be out eating lunch. It does. That, that's part of church to me. When you're with the other believers in the house of the Lord, so he says prophecy edifies the whole church. Now we have this happen quite often, and hopefully you feel encouraged, and comforted, and edified by what is said, even though it's general. It still makes you feel like, wow, God still loves me. He cares, and he's right, he's right on target in my life. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit works. So Paul makes it very clear. He says, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you, in verse 5, you, you would prophesy. For greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues. So the ultimate goal for all Christians is to prophesy. That's part of your M.O., Modus, motive in operandi. Is that how it, isn't that? I've forgotten the Latin for it. That's pretty close. Out of all that we do, we are to prophesy. I ask the question, how many have? Don't answer it. That's at the core of who we are. We say, well, we're to preach the gospel. Yes, we are. But have you discovered you're not in front of unsaved people all the time? Remember, we're like that aircraft carrier. We've got to come in and get tanked up and get our ammunition loaded up so we can go out and do battle with the devil. So the ultimate goal is for us to prophesy. He said that in verse 1. Uh, he says it in the prior chapters, in the coming chapters. He talks about it. This is something that we should be doing. Now I want to close this thing off, and I want to talk about and I purposely ran through it a little differently. What Paul is saying in all this prophecy to help explain the operation of tongues and interpretation of tongues, it's really quite easy. I like to use the equation. Tongues plus interpretation of tongues equals prophecy. That's an equation, just like they would teach you in school. That's the equation. That's what Paul is saying. Separately, tongues 
is not prophecy. It must be connected to the interpretation of the tongues. So he says in verse 2, for, anyone who's, for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks. So he's talking about the application of personal and public tongues. And if you go on in the rest of this chapter, he, he starts to unravel this and explain it in more depth on the difference. It's the same, it's the same language. It's the same instrument, your voice, coming out of the same spirit by the spirit of God. But sometimes it's for public use and most of the time it's for private use. And he explains this very clearly. He says that in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. Have you ever had a, a, a bombshell uh, 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 event in your life and you couldn't figure out even how to work it out or even pray about it or anything? You, just, you were just really, you, you were stuck. I've had to happen so many times, and I, what I have done, and what I found so beautiful is that, and, and so there's a mystery there. We don't know how to unravel the situation. But praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues just takes that thing and just starts to unwind it. And you just pray in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit. And because now, you see, your, bypass, your mind's going to go through a checklist of this, 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 this. And the Holy Spirit says, no, I don't, I don't want you to use your mind. I want you to listen to me. And so as I open my mouth, the Spirit of God speaks through my vocal cords, and I pray what God wants me to pray. You know, you might be praying for a loved one. And in your, in your understanding, you'd be praying all, I mean, you're praying 40 acres over here. I mean, you prayed, you've prayed, you've done a, a, a danced around the Maypole flag, prayer, you've, you've danced, shouted, you've done all this crazy stuff trying to pray that prayer the right way, and then, but then if you'll just, I, what I call, I just sink into the Spirit of God and let Him pray through me, and then He'll, he'll get into that big 40-acre field I've been praying over, and then, then, I, then this is how I see it, and then as I start praying in the Spirit, he will, it's like He takes the whole acreage and He puts a thumbtack on the one thing. And after I pray in the Spirit for a while, then boom, I say, oh, so that's what I'm supposed to, to declare. And I make that declaration inside of that 40-acre field of my prayers. I have pinpointed that one thing that the Holy Spirit wanted me to pray. It is an astounding, astounding thing that God has given to every believer if they'll simply use it. So, see, our Spirit and the Holy Spirit are in constant communication my fishing partner I and I were talking about this the other day he's a Christian spirit-filled Christian and um, uh, you know we finished we were, we were discussing about what maybe could have kept us from winning we went to the national championship and we finished second and uh, so I, we had been talking about well, on the way back from the out there in uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, rather, and, and then this week I talked to him, and he said, you know what? He said, the Holy Spirit was talking to me, and I, did, and I didn't pay attention. And uh, 
He said, you know, you remember we went by such and such place? I said, yeah. He said, you know, we slowed up and we looked in there, but we didn't go in that little cove, whatever it was. I said, right. He said, you know, we had all of our plans. We had our strategies. He said, we didn't go in there, but yet we stopped, slowed down and looked then, just looked at it. And it was one of those places where you couldn't really see what was around the corner. But sure enough, there, around the corner was everything that we were, had been looking for. And the winners of the tournament had fished that spot, that very same little cove, and won. So the Holy Spirit is communicating with us at all times. And we, we heard, but we just didn't, you know, we had our plan. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You get your own plan, but you hear the Holy Spirit say, no, I want you to take a, I want you to take a right over here. And, and, you, and it's not like it's, you're queasy or anything. It's just, you know, it's more rational. It's logical to do this. Why would we want to inter, 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 uh, interrupt our schedule? Now you're kind of getting the point a little bit. Our schedule. So, I, so you see, he's always communing with us. So when we get around the other believers, he knows everything about everybody. Have you figured that out? And he, know, he knows what's going on in that person's life right next to you. He knows everything. And he wants to touch their life. And maybe, maybe they have their plan. And maybe they have their schedule and their agenda. And he needs someone to... Get them to stop for a moment and say what the Spirit of God is saying. It's amazing. See, it's right there. So we may be blocking other people's blessings by not being obedient when we deliver the, the, the gifts of the Spirit to someone because they're there for everyone. I kind of got off track, but I think that was important to talk about because we're going to finish up because we got, we got something really cool to go on. So it says in verse 4, the one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Now, people say, well, you know, that's just being prideful. You don't need to edify yourself. You know, I suppose people that want to pray in tongues, they just, they're all built up, and, and they're, always, they're always doing all this stuff, and they're winning people, Lord, and they're just joyful all the time. You know, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, that's selfish. It, do you know of a Christian anywhere that doesn't need a little bit of edifying every once in a while? I mean, even the, the biggest power tower Christian you know, they need some support every once in a while. Don't they? Absolutely. And so the Bible makes it very clear that when we pray in tongues, we are building ourselves up in our most holy faith. We are edifying, edifying ourselves when we pray in the Spirit. So it's a good thing. It strengthens our faith. So Paul is saying here, he says, I wish all of you spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And he explains the difference between prophecy and tongues interpretation. We won't go over that anymore. So, Paul is saying, everyone should activate the public use of the gifts. Everyone. Everybody. Everybody. And you don't have to try to dissect what it is, and how it gets to you. Just do it. You can analyze it later if you want to go there. I wouldn't. 
But Paul says very clearly that we are, he's, in fact, he, he, says, he says here, I want, I, 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 he says, I want everybody to speak in tongues. I want everybody to prophesy. Now, he does go on. He says in verse 39, 40, he says, but earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues, but all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. So he's saying as long as you, as long as you keep a, 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 a balance in this, it's okay. I want you to do these things. So what has the church done? It's completely erased it from its faith. At least it seems like that in some communities. So I'm closing up. It's got to be within the boundaries of decency and order. So if you just bring tongues without interpretation of tongues and no one interprets it, it's out of order. Now, you don't kick people out because of that. I'll be the first one to tell you, I've made lots of mistakes. But it's got to have both. You can't have one without the other. That's like Jolly and uh, Jolly and Holly. Yeah, that kind of thing, yeah. Y'all are just the cutest little thing. <laughs> so, if you speak in tongues publicly... Now, that, when I say publicly, that's kind of like when nobody else is saying anything. And you speak in tongues. You get stand up and start speaking in tongues. You better have or be ready to have the interpretation. Not, someone may not always be there to have your back. Okay? Why? Because you've got to have the interpretation so that the church can be edified. Otherwise, it's simply gibberish. So how do, how do we function? I can only give you my own personal experience from this about the functioning of the use of tongues in public requiring an interpretation. This is how it comes to me. To me, it always comes in a word, a word picture, a vision, um, a sentence or a statement. But it doesn't come to me in tongues. I'll have revelation of what the Lord wants to say, and then he'll say, now deliver it in tongues. And then I know that he wants me to say it in tongues. Are you following me? So my, my encouragement to you is, is if, if, if you're going to operate in the gift of tongues, rather than just get, because see, we can, we can get off in crazy stuff. If you just get this ecstatic feeling that you need to speak in tongues, it's probably not the gift of tongues. Now, if you get that feeling and he shows you a word picture or what I call a ticker, ticker tape, kind of thing across your brain, whatever, you know that there, you've, you, there's, some, there's content in here that God wants to deliver, then, then, then go ahead. But that's how it works with me. He never just says, speak in tongues. He always gives me something to, for me so that I can step forward, and then he'll say, now deliver it in tongues. And then I deliver. Now, when I know I'm going to deliver in tongues, and in the back of my mind is, "Oh Jesus, you're going to have, <laughs> you're going to have to give me interpretation if no one else has it." I know that. Now, Paul says, when you do that, he said the use of tongues and interpretation of tongues are for the immature or the, uh, the those who lack knowledge. 
in a setting like this, that's why you hear much more in prophecy here than you do in tongues. Uh, uh, tongues should be delivered to a church that's new and mature, a baby church, a lot of new believers who just don't understand. Paul says that that's the typical time to use tongues, interpretation of tongues. But prophecy, he said, is for the body of Christ, the one, those who are uh, more, a little more sp spiritually mature. Do you follow me? So we don't want to exclude it. In fact, this is my equation. When there is tongues and interpretation of tongues, in my mind, that tells me there's someone there who's not saved. Because he talks about the, the non-believer or the unbeliever. So when I hear tongues and interpretation of tongues, that cues me in. This is me personally. That cues me in that there's someone in the house who may be proclaiming Christianity, but they're not truly born again. Okay? And I, I, will, I, will, I will verify that later on in this chapter, but we're not doing that because we've got some fun things to do. So I'm closing right now. So if you're going to deliver it, I would suggest that you get one of these pictures, whatever it is, something that's beyond your cognitive thinking process. How many of you ever had Holy Spirit just drop something in you? Have you ever wondered Why? I'm just suggesting, could it be that maybe he's training you? Because you'll, he'll drop something in you, but then you don't have anyone around to deliver it to? What is he doing? He's getting us tuned into his voice so that when there'll be a time when he'll drop that nugget into your spirit and that person or that whatever will be around or in a church, or whatever it might be, then you'll be able to deliver that message. So... Bottom line, the power of prophecy and tongues, interpretation of tongues is this. It strengthens the congregation, it encourages, it comforts, us, it comforts us. And then the most important thing, God is glorified. And he is, his power is revealed when these gifts are in operation. Church, we need to operate in the power of God. Amen? All right. I, I'm not going to give an invitation because we got something good cool to do. Right, here's what we're going to do. Thank you for listening to the Resurrection Church podcast. We hope you are encouraged and ready to win souls for Christ. For more information or to plan your visit, go to rc-hickory.org.